I know I had mentioned that last week would be my last message about entering God's presence, but I have to repent. I didn't mean to lie, but I'm going to keep going. I think I got about three more uh, sermons dealing with being in God's presence. You all have Hebrews chapter 13, verse 8. I'm reading out of the New Living Translation uh, Bible, and it reads like this. Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. So do not be attracted by strange new ideals. Your spiritual strength comes from God's special favor, not from ceremonial rules about food, which don't help those who follow them. We have an altar from which the priests in the temple on earth have no right to eat. Under the system of Jewish laws, the high priest brought the blood of animals into the holy place as a sacrifice for sin, but the bodies of the animals were burnt outside the camp. So also, Jesus suffered and died outside the gates in order to make his people holy by the shedding of his own blood. So let us go out to him outside the camp and bear the disgrace he bore. For this world is not our home. We are looking forward to our city in heaven which is yet to come. With Jesus' help, let us continually offer our sacrifice of praise to God by proclaiming the glory of his name. Lord, we thank you. And we're always careful to give you the honor and the glory and the praise. I ask, Lord, that you would take these next few minutes to open up our hearts and the eyes of our understanding that we would see what you have for us today. That we would be a people of praise, continually walking in your presence. Holy Spirit, I ask that you would touch each heart. And if there is someone here sick in body, that you would even begin to heal now. Heal minds, heal them physically. Move in signs and wonders, in Jesus' name, amen. Amen. The key to this scripture is Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. That, that's a given, correct? Amen. And, but the irony of this message, or, or, or what we read here, is that centuries ago, they would kill animals. So I'm saying, okay, if in fact we know Jesus is the same yesterday, today, forever, why in the world would they kill animals? And we know that the Old Testament is merely a shadow of things to come. So what God was doing as he's writing this book, because Jesus is the same yesterday, today, forever, he was giving us examples or shadows of things that hopefully we would learn from. But being humans, what we do, we tend to take a learning tool and turn it into a ritual. Hello. And, And so this is what takes place throughout history, throughout even now. If you look at the Old Testament sacrifice, we're talking about sacrifice, and really we want to talk about getting into God's presence. The blood was presented to God, and then the bodies were burnt outside. The tabernacle being a symbol for them was a symbol of the presence of God. So when they came to church, if we were living in those days, when people see this temple, this church building, they would assume that, okay, that's where God's presence is. And it was a teaching tool, if you will, right? 
And if you, if you really study, and I, I hope I don't bore you because I'm going to give you some, some teaching because I'm a teacher at heart. There were two major temples or major, let's say, religions, if you will, at that time. Right now, we have probably 2,000 throughout the United States, different ways, and there's another message of why. But at this moment, there was basically two religions. The first one was, was, was built by Moses, and the second one was built by Solomon. There were different ways of worshiping God even then. The tabernacle of Moses was situated in a place called Mount Gibeon. And it contained the outer court. Imagine a building like this, and you have an outer court where people can gather. Then it had an inner court where the priest could come in. But then it had a place called the Holy of Holies where only the high priest could go in. And if the high priest went into the Holy of Holies, let's assume there's a curtain here and you couldn't see him. And I'm the high priest. I'm behind the curtain. You couldn't see me. And the only requirement the high priest had to have, they had a tie rope around his ankle in case the high priest had sin in his life. Because if he walked into the presence of God, if he had sin, he would die. And nobody could go in there and get him. So they would pull him out by a rope. And that's the way they worship in the temple that Moses built. Amen? Are you with me? Amen. There was no singing in that church service. Worship was based on the law and works. You were allowed in the temple based on what you did and based on the Ten Commandments. The other tabernacle, the tabernacle of David, was situated on a, in a place called Mount Zion. And it was one room. It was like this room. It wasn't the, the outer courts, inner courts, or anything else. It was one large room, right? Sacrifices there were joy, song, dance, laughter, and clapping. Where Moses was based on works, what you did, the tabernacle that David built was based on grace and faith. David penned the words, take not thy Holy Spirit from me. So he had a relationship with the Holy Spirit. Both forms of worship existed at the same time. The ten tribes, there were 12 tribes in Israel, the ten tribes of the northern kingdoms, we could say the Northanials. Huh? And then you had the two tribes of the southern kingdom. We can call those the Surenials. All right? Mount Gibeon in the north, Mount Zion in the south. Now, the difference between the two, I talked to you about the worship, remember? And they were all trying to get into the presence of God. The difference between the two of them was the south had the Ark of the Covenant. The Ark of the Covenant, right? Even if you've seen Indiana Jones, you heard about the Ark of the Covenant, right? Well, it contained the Ark of the Covenant, and the Ark of the Covenant represented the presence of God. Right? And God honored that. So here's the trick. And this is where I think it, it lays and comes home. The northern kingdom became accustomed to worshiping God without his presence. And I really believe that we're in a country today where many believers are, are, have learned to worship God without his presence. Do you come to church... You pay your respects, but you go out the same. You come to church, maybe you don't pay your respects, and you go out the same. See, there's a distinct uh, reality of when you walk into God's presence. If you were to walk in God's presence, you could never be the same. That's right. That's right. That's right. Now, in those days, they had a barrier 
different place where God existed. And they had, let's say, the excuse. But nevertheless, they got used to worshiping God without God's presence. We have no excuse. God is no longer in a northern kingdom or in a southern kingdom. Hello. See, God loved the people of the northern kingdom. They went through the proper ritual. They went through the liturgy. But the presence of God was not there. So what's the difference? New Testament scripture says this, that God inhabits the praise of his people. Amen. So if we want God's presence, there has to be praise. Yes. Yes. What is that? It sounds simple, praise. Well, praise is not just merely getting up here and following the band and singing. No, praise is something that's inside you. It's in and it comes out. And if you're fortunate enough, you have a band playing good music and leading you in praise. But that is not, just because you're singing along with a band doesn't mean you're having praise. You're having a good sing-along. And it could, it could be this. It could be that you are having an experience, a praise experience, but the person next to you is just doing karaoke. Why, why call this spiritual karaoke? Because isn't it karaoke? We put the words up there. All we need is a dot bouncing on the words. <laughs> right? So I don't, want, I don't want us to be a people who do spiritual karaoke. There has to be something on the inside taking place that causes you to sing these songs, that causes these words up there to make you weep, that causes it to do something in your life. Yes. Now, if that is in fact happening, listen, you're praising. Huh? But what happens? There's a battle taking place in everybody, even right now. And the battle is in your mind. Is it not? We, we call them head trips, yeah. right? Now I have a head trip. I'm going to head trip right now, right? But the battle's in your mind. So here I am, the worship team, we're, we're trying to lead your worship, and we're singing, and, me, and, and, and Jasmine is having a, a, a spiritual experience, but you're in your mind thinking about, oh, I'm late on my mortgage. Oh, my goodness, what am I going to do here? And you're, you're, you're being convoluted by the things of the world that don't allow you to walk into praise. And listen, the ironic thing of that is if when you walk into praise, those issues in your life, God will take over. Come on, now, yes. yes but we, we keep ourselves trapped by the world system. Huh? Because the battlefield is in the mind. Hello, somebody. Right. Sure. See, praise is a part of our, of our arsenal for warfare. Huh? If you're going through it, praise them. Huh? Having a fight with your honey, praise them. Ain't got no money, praise them. Well, you got to learn to praise them. Job says in the good times and in the bad times, yes. praise them. Yes. Right? See, praise is a sacrifice because we no longer bring animals. Somehow we are the animals. Hello, somebody. Yeah. But praise is a sacrifice. See, praise does four things. It'll engage the enemy in spiritual warfare as we praise them. As we praise, because God inhabits the praises of his people, we enter in the very throne room of God. Right? As we praise him, guess what? As you begin to praise him and have an experience, all the stuff that you're hiding, the ugliness, the sin, or nature, all that begins to rise up. And as you praise him, we confess the truth in a world full of lies. We confess that I need a savior. We confess that I ain't the best husband. We confess that I'm not the best wife. We confess that I need changes. Hello, somebody. Why? Because you're praising God. 
And God is not doing that to make you feel guilty. No, God is doing that to set you free. Does anybody want to be set free? See, as we praise Him, not only does that happen, but the last thing I think is really important is we connect with all of heaven's resources. Everything. Everything. Now, we looked at the Old Testament. In the New Testament, we had a sacrifice as well. His name was Jesus Christ. The sacrifice of Jesus, right? I love that song, right? Come to the throne. Huh? I love that song. You got your sin. God died for the blood of Jesus, right? See, Jesus, just like the animals, the body, was sacrificed outside of the city. Nothing but our lack of worship can keep us from his presence. Because his blood came into the throne and broke down the veil. There's no longer, right? the Holy of Holies. There's no longer a veil. It's been ripped aside because Jesus died. We have access to his presence. So if we have access to his presence, what are we waiting for? Yes. Come on. Why is it that some get it and some don't? It's not God's fault. Is it God's fault? So apparently if it's not God's fault, there's something in the individual. Right? So when Jesus died for our sins, a few things happened. First, he fulfilled the law of God. The law of God says man is sinful, and there must be a sacrifice to atone for the sin of man. So we are by nature. The Bible says, King David writes, in sin I was conceived in the womb. That nature, it's a nature. You don't have to teach a baby to sin. They're going to say, how could a baby sin? It's their nature. I think, you know, people want to say the first word they, they, they learn is, is daddy or mom. No, no, the first word they learn is mine. <laughs> you want to see kids sin, fight? Put a toy between two babies. Oh, put, a, put a toy there, put one baby here, one baby. They will gangbang each other. Oh, ah, pow, pow. I mean, they'll go at it. Who taught them that? It's in them. Nobody taught them that. Right? And then what happens? We just grow and we get worse. Hello, someone. Oh, come on now. In the Old Testament, it was the animals that they sacrificed. But when Jesus came along, he was the last ultimate sacrifice for our sin nature. Hmm? John 1, 29 reads like this. The next day, John saw Jesus coming toward him and said, Look, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. The Lamb of God. The ultimate sacrifice. This is why we no longer offer animals at the altar today. Everything that we could ever do for salvation is already done. Jesus paid the ultimate price. So when he died on the cross, there was no need for a holy of holies. There was no need for a high priest. Because if we are right with God and we walk right with God, you, look at your neighbor and say, you're talking to you. You can walk into the presence of God. So what are we waiting for? What happens? The only thing that keeps us from God is us. Not your neighbor. It's my wife's fault because you got me in the flesh. No, it's your fault. And not your boss because your boss is rude and obnoxious and he may be. Nothing can keep you from God's presence. Huh? So you always have to have it on your mind. So why did the Hebrew writer talk about the sacrifice of praise? And that's what he said. He said, you need a sacrifice of praise. So how do we sacrifice to God? We don't kill offers, well, animals, we don't offer up blood. What kind of sacrifice do we bring to the church? So you're coming to church, I'm going to the church today. Okay, so in your mind, what are you doing? What are you bringing to God today? See, we get this thing turned around. 
We, we, we think we're coming to church to listen to the group, to lift our hands, and that's good. I'm not, not, not denying, not knocking that. And you come to hear me preach and teach you something, and that's okay, but we miss something. What are you bringing? So you can't come to church empty-handed. What are you bringing? The Bible says we are to bring a sacrifice of praise. We bring a sacrifice of praise unto the house of the Lord. We bring a sacrifice of praise unto the house of the Lord, right? And we offer unto thee the sacrifices of thanksgiving. And we offer unto thee a sacrifice of praise. And I'm amazed. Because that's the only thing we can sacrifice. You can't give them nothing. You, can, you can't go out. You can feed a thousand people and praise God. They're full. But that is not what God is asking for you for. That, that, that should be a result of your praise. Some people do that because they're guilty. No, no. You can do all the good. The good is not going to help you. You have to learn to bring a sacrifice of praise. So you come to church, and I'm amazed. You know, some people come to church. They walk in. They come here. They come to church. They sit down. And we're praising. Everybody's like, yeah, yeah. And, and, and this guy's like, And I'm like, wow, I think they're missing it. Huh? And, and then they want God to do something in their life, and they're not bringing nothing to God. He doesn't just want you to come here like, wow, I've done God a favor. I, I showed up. No. If you want God to intervene into your, your circumstance, if you want God to come in and, and, and correct a, a relationship, if you want God to give you a raise, if you want God to do something, right? My, my son was going, was looking at, at, at 34 years to life. 38 years? 48 years to life. My son. You think I was, and this has been going on for a year now, and most of you don't know. And you know what I was doing? I was praising God. Praise Him. How you, how you handle it? I got to praise the Lord. God knows, and, and every, every lawyer, I'm getting off the notes, but it's all right. Every lawyer says, he's done. You never beat a habitual. It's over. It's done. It's done. I, we, one lawyer said, it'll cost you 20 grand. And she said, but I don't even want to take your money because, because we can't win. Now, you talk about, how, how do you think I felt? And my son didn't do it. And this, you know, they say every prisoner didn't do it, but I know he didn't do it. And I'm like, what is going on, God? She says, you know what I did? I praised him. You're in charge, God. You got everything in control. Praise Him. Whatever happens, happens. If He goes for that long, then He's going to be a heavy duty evangelist in the joint. I mean, what else can I do, right? I'm praising Him. We go to court Friday. My wife goes to court on Friday. And to make a long story short, there was a technicality, and the judge says, there's reasonable doubt, court case dismissed. Yes. Hallelujah. Boom. I called the lawyer who didn't want to take my 20 grand. Very nice lady. I, call, I text her, actually. I text her, hey, I just need to let you know that, that we won. And I said, we loosely, because God intervened, but we beat the charge. Yes. Within 30 seconds, she called me back. She goes, no way. I go, man, she, that was quick. She goes, no, tell me what happened. 
And the, the lawyer name we have was public defender, public, de- public pretender. You know what I'm talking about? Anyway, that's a different message. But anyway, he calls me up and he says, he says, uh, there's no way Will could have won. Cause we, she knows he's not a good lawyer. But no, no way. I go, no, 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 no. God intervened. Yes. Yes, he did. Why? Because all we could do was praise him. We couldn't walk around with our head down. I had to praise him. Why? Because when you bring a sacrifice of praise, God says that, and that is what pleases me. When you come to church, you know what cara de hacha means? Let me interpret cara de hacha as hatchet face. We'll come to church to praise him. So we don't have to bring sacrifice. You have to bring you. And despite your troubles, and we all have trouble. Life, life is hard, ain't it? Yeah. It'll throw curveballs. You think you got all together? Something happens. You get hit, rear-ended. Your your car blows up, right? You you you, you burn the beans. Something goes. You know, something happens, right? Yeah. And if you let those things affect you, every time you go. But no, 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 no. They're gonna happen, no matter what. You come to church and you praise the Lord, and you praise the Lord, and you praise the Lord. Now God is saying, I'm gonna I'm gonna intervene in your life because you've learned you learned to praise. Me in the good time. You learn to praise me in the bad time. You are praising people. And God comes in. So that's how you enter into his presence. And I'm sure God is pleased when nothing, everything's fine. Everything's perfect. You, know, you got a, a, your 401k is maxed. Right? You just got a raise, man. You got a brand new car and you, your, your credit score is 70, 750. And I'm sure God is pleased with that. Right? It's easier to praise God like that. However, when th- all hell is breaking loose, and you don't know what's going to happen, you don't know up from down, and you praise Him anyway, I guarantee you, God will honor you. God is pleased with that. Yes. And we have to learn to be those people. Yes. Huh? I tell them, this is not bum kick outreach. Huh? This is victory outreach. We walk in victory. Now, if there is a bum-kicked outreach, go find it. I don't know, but this is not bum-kicked outreach. God is on the throne. God delivered me. God saved me. God brought me a wife. God gave me children. God is blessing me. This is victory outreach. We have to learn to walk into his presence. Huh? Why? Because Jesus removed the barrier from God. We have no excuse. There are no longer any curtains. There are no longer any veils. Hmm? In Matthew 27, 50, Jesus there on the cross, and it said, Jesus shouted again and gave up his spirit. At that moment, the curtain in the temple was torn in top, from top to bottom. There's nothing blocking us from his presence. We just got to step into it. Peter reminded him, he says, you're a chosen people. You're a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people belonging to God that you may, and here is the key, that you may declare the praises of him. Let's read it again. 1 Peter 2.19, it says, but you, say me. You are a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people belonging to God, that you may declare the praises of him who calls you out of darkness and into his marvelous light. Why do we praise him? My goodness, I've been delivered. Some people, like, who are you praising? What are you baptizing? I've been baptized in the Holy Ghost. Some of you look like you're baptized in lemon juice. 
all sucked up sour. I've been baptized in the Holy Ghost. I've been set free. So I come in here, oh yeah, I have trouble, but it's easy for me to come in and praise God. I'm going to praise God anyway. Because you know what? I learned the secret. It works. Yes. Yes. It works. I don't know how it works, but it works. We don't need a high priest. You know, some people, some people are, you know, and I don't mind this. Don't get me wrong. Pastor, can I talk with you? Yeah, yeah. Can, I, can you pray for me? Yeah, I can do all that stuff. But dig this, man. You don't need to wait for me. You can be in your home. Eating a taco, and also get the praise on. Ah, I gotta get the praise on. You don't need a waiter for to have counseling because you know what? I'm going through it. And I remember what Pastor said, I'm gonna praise him. Praise our praise the Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Come on. Ah, you, you don't need to wait. Because you have access. Right where you're at, praise him. You're going through it, praise him. You're fighting with the old lady, praise the Lord. I had to do that a lot. Amen. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. She probably had to do it more. Amen. <laughs> My wife said, oh, yeah. Praise him. Every one of us can come into his presence and have an audience with God. That's what I'm saying. Why? Because Jesus provided uh, for intimacy. Not just to come into his presence, but he wants to be intimate with God. Jesus allows us to be intimate, deep. See, many sing about God. Huh? But they don't want to sing to God. Probably we can sing about, and that's cool, I guess. But would you rather sing to God? Yeah. See, when you're praising Him and you're, you're, you're singing to God, yeah. you're not singing about Him. Right. I'm a lady, I'm, I'm sure you would like your, your, your husband or your boyfriend to, to sing about you, but I know you would love to have them sing to you. Well, yeah, get romantic. Parlez-vous français? Huh? Come with me to the cast bar. I mean, you would be like, like romantic, right? I'm saying, come on, man. Oh, no. It's easy. Right? We have to take it sometimes. And this is what really God is doing. He's, he's taking us on a blind date. I did a message years ago about the blind date. Because we don't know who God is. I'm, I'm learning, but we really don't know who God is. And so what God does, he takes you on a blind date. Anybody ever been a blind date? Sometimes you go on that date and you wish you were blind. Hallelujah. But that's a different story. I mean, but let's assume everything's nice and copacetic. You're on a blind date. And you're getting to know people. You're being introduced. And that's what God is doing to us. Right? God introduces himself through us, to us, through creation. And he used Adam. Because he's teaching us about creation. And then he comes and he talks and he introduces himself through judgment. Because you know, he wants us to know that he's a God of judgment, not only a God of creation. And he, and he talks about Noah. So he's teaching us, right? Then he introduces himself through faith. And he has a story called Abraham, the father of faith. Then he wants to talk about you're a people of purpose. And he created, he let another man be born. And he, he was a man by the name of Joseph who had a purpose in his life. Right? And he's slowly introducing us to who he is. And then he wants to say, oh, I'm going to teach these people that I'm a God of power and glory. And he used a man by the name of Moses to show, to show us how powerful and how glorious he is. And then he comes and he goes, I want to show the people that I'm a God of goodness and grace. And he allows Jesus to come to earth. Why? Because he wants to be us to be intimate. So we have to get to know him. We get to know him. We get to know him. And then we allow Jesus to come into our life. Why? So that we can get intimate. Really deep. Huh? Do you want to know God? Or do you want to know about him? Do you want to sing to God? Or do you want to sing to him? See, we're, we're trying to get into the presence of God. Uh, in the presence where things change. 
So today, our sacrifice is praise. Praise Him. Yes. Huh? That's our sacrifice. Hebrews 13, 15 reads, Through Him then, let us continually offer up a sacrifice of praise to God. That is, listen, the fruit of the lips that give thanks to His name. So that means, people say, well, I'm I'm a, I'm a, I'm not an extrovert, I'm very, you know, I'm quiet. Or, on the other side, I'm shy. I don't want people to look at me. Right? And he said, no, 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 no. You need to give a sacrifice of praise. That is the fruit of your lips. In other words, he's saying, you can't praise them just in your head. Praise them. Amen. There's a power of the spoken word. There's power to create. And when you praise them, you put things into action. But if you don't, if you keep it to yourself, you miss out on your own power. There's power in the spoken word. Praise them, declaring. Huh? When, when people, imagine people that know your life and you're going through hell and they see you praising him. What, you know what the spiritual that dynamic that takes place that leads you and enters that person is mind-blowing. In their mind, they're saying, why are they doing that? What's happening to them? How could they praise him? What's going on here? And also the curiosity. Why? Because they want that. They want to be able to have the joy in the midst of trial. Listen, people will say, I pray for peace. Peace is not the absence of turmoil. Because that's impossible. You go, God, give me peace. No, peace is not the absence of turmoil. Peace is being calm and tranquil in the middle of turmoil. So you don't have to make peace with a friend. You only make peace with an enemy. If you all want peace, that means you want to have peace. It means you have to have a lot of enemies. Why? Because the only way to have peace is when you have a lot of enemies. Because they don't affect you. You want peace? That means you need a lot of trouble. Because the only way to have peace is when you have trouble. Without that, you're just living life. Hmm? Fortunately, life gives you all the trouble. And you know what I say? My haters are my motivators. Amen? You're going to have to let them bother you. Just praise them anyway. Praise the Lord. See, we're to offer sacrifices of praise as I'm coming in for landing. And they have to be continual. Not just at a set time. Not just in the good times, but even at the most roughest time, the toughest time. Praise them. If we fail to give them thanks in uh, rough times, then we limit the power that God can give to you. Huh? Got to praise them. Praise them. See, the sin of not praising God leads to do two dangerous snares of Satan. Can I say that again? In Romans 121, it reads like this. Romans 121. For even though they knew God, they did not honor God or honor Him as God or give thanks. But they became futile in their speculations, and their foolish heart was darkened. Professing to be wise, they became fools. It says this, even though they knew God. How many people you know know who God is? Even though they knew God, they did not honor Him or give Him thanks. See, if you don't praise Him, then you are 
in danger of falling into the trap, the snare of Satan, the first thing will happen, you'll become futile in your speculations. What does that mean? You're going to have a, a stinking thinking. In other words, you'll see scripture and, and you'll have, you'll create your own interpretation. You'll create your own thing. Why? To justify your lack of praise. Yeah. Futile in their speculation. Or, and, and the second thing is, you become foolish in heart. Huh? So we want to avoid that. And the only way you avoid that, my friend, is you have to learn to give thanks. Give thanks with a grateful heart. Give thanks to the Holy One. Give thanks because He's given Jesus Christ His Son. And now, right, let the weak Say I am strong, right? See, we got to give thanks. So when we come in here, we don't just come in here quiet and, and, and shy or introverted. We come in here to praise him. Because yeah. I don't want to be like the, the, the tribe, the ten tribes of the north, who learn to, to come to God and, not, and, and, and learn about him without his presence. I don't want to learn about him without his presence. I want to be like King David. When the spirit of the Lord is in, right? I will dance out like David danced, right? I want to get down. I don't want to be all. No, that's not me. That's not this homeboy. I was never a wall flower. What do they call them when they sit? No, I was in the middle of the dance floor. Right? Come on. Some of you could sit in go nightclub. In the nightclub, you're all dum 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 dum. Right? You're all down. Well, you come to church, you're all. What happened? What happened to your groove? The devil took your groove. Or what? God didn't take your groove. God created the groove. Well, come on. King David was a musician. He was jamming, right? I imagine King David, you see the book of Psalms? That's a rap book. King David was a rapper. <laughs> right? He was. Why? Because it's praise. Praise him. Right? See, in essence, Paul is saying, don't think like the world. Don't be happy only when the world makes you happy. You got to praise him no matter what. Right? So we have to move. We can't be futile. Right? We can't lose our sensitivity. We have to move into it. Or, or you can't become foolish in heart. Hmm? Proverbs 4.23 reads, Keep your heart with all diligence, for out of it springs the issues of life. Your heart, guard your heart. And the new American standard reads like this, Watch over your heart with diligence, for from it flows the springs of life. Huh? And the new century version reads like this, be careful what you think because your thoughts run your life. Guard your heart. Huh? The issues of life. What are the issues of life? And there, you know, we have a lot of minor decision making, but really the issues of life. Listen, the issue of life. There's three of the most important things. The rest fall under that subcategory. The first one, your salvation. Number one, salvation. The second one is who you marry. Oh, that's a mean one right there. Right? I heard it said that a, 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 a great marriage is the closest thing to heaven. But I also heard a terrible marriage is the closest thing to hell. Well, some people have been living in hell. And the third thing is your calling. See, guard your heart for out of it flow the issues of life. First of all, your salvation. And, and hopefully you get that straight. But don't just marry any, any, any Tom, Dick, or Harry. You know, any, any, any Johnny come lately. Or, or Judy come lately, or you know, you know what I'm talking about? Long Tal Sally, Harold or Matilda. 
right? Don't just be careful. Why? Because these are the issues of life. Because that will affect everything else. Your calling, right? Guard your heart. And how do you do that? You come and you praise God. And you, God, I'm going to praise you. Let's say you're a single man. If I were single, I'd be praising God heavy. Because it's not good for man to be alone. Hello, men. Say amen. amen. Say oh my. Say help me, Jesus. Say amen. So if I were in that case, I'd be, I'd be in church so much. I'd be on the throne. I'd be praising God. I'd be worried. Why? Because I don't want to get me something. Lord, I need some help here. But some of you guys, what do you guys, oh, you guys walk around, you go to the mall and you rub your neck and you put yourself in sin. Can I say that? I just said that. Oh, too late. I can't take it back. Instead of doing the right thing, you're out there doing the wrong thing. Then you wonder why you never get what you, what you deserve. Well, maybe you do get what you deserve. I, I thought there's another one right there. But if you want God to bless him, you got to guard your heart, protect yourself. Yeah. Yeah. And, and you need to find a girl who's praising Jesus anyway. And if they're praising Jesus, you might luck out. Because if not, oh well, you can always say, Pastor warned you. Yeah. Amen? Yes. Continual, we're talking about continual praise. Huh, these things do two very important and specific things. Our continual praise keeps us from a futile internal and external debate or reasoning. We stop our, our dumb thinking. Our continual praise will allow our heart to understand and see through the darkening world around us. Because it's darkening. We have to continually praise and we have to give a sacrificial praise. As I call up my, my piano player. Your sacrifice... Or rather say this, you sacrifice your anxiety and praise him huh, when, you do, when you do what you do and you go through it. Hello, someone. Hmm? Huh? Hebrews, actually Habakkuk, I'm sorry, 3, uh, 19, no, 17. Though the fig tree does not bud and there are no grapes in the vine, Though the olive crops and the fields produce no fruit, though there are no sheep in the pen and no cattle in the stalls, yet I will rejoice in the Lord. I will be joyful in God my Savior. Dig that. Habakkuk, Old Testament. Why did I bring the Old Testament? Because we said earlier, Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, Old Testament, Habakkuk, today, and forever. Nothing's changed. Habakkuk is telling us, hey, no matter what's happening, praise him. Verse 19, the sovereign Lord is my strength. He makes my feet like the feet of a deer. He enables me to go on the heights. Praise should be continual and sacrificial. What I say sacrificial? He was losing everything. He didn't have anything at hand. He said, though I don't have anything, no grapes, no figs, no olives, no fruit, no sheep, no cattle, I'll praise you. Amen. Sacrificial. Continual and sacrificial. And lastly, audible. Audible. Tell somebody. I got to tell somebody. I just can't keep it to myself. God's been so good to me, right? Yeah. I got to tell somebody. I just can't keep it to myself. God has been so good to me. So good, so good, so good. Huh? You got to tell somebody. It's got to be audible. 
Don't get caught up in that lie. Oh, no, no. Religion is a personal experience. And you don't talk religion in politics. That is a lie from the devil. Yeah, yeah. Could you imagine if God thought that way? He wouldn't say, Jesus, no, it's personal. I, I'm not, I, I just got to leave Jesus here. It's not personal. It's global. Right. It's international. The Bible said he made, the God made the heavens, the heavens plural, and the earth. The heavens. It is international. It is intergalactical. What am I talking about? We don't keep it to ourselves. We gotta tell somebody. Yeah. Huh? We gotta speak it out. The fruit of the lips, singing, praying, shouting, confessing. Yeah. We have to do something audibly. Come on. If we're gonna praise them. Yes. Amen? Yeah. So let me read our opening scripture as I close. Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. So do not be attracted by strange new ideals. Your spiritual strength comes from God's special favor, not from ceremonial rules about food, which don't help those who follow them. We have an altar from which the priests in the temple on earth have no right to eat. Under the system of Jewish law, the high priest brought the blood of animals into the holy place as a sacrifice for sin. But the bodies of the animals were burnt outside the camp. So also Jesus suffered and died outside the city gates in order to make his people, that's how he's talking about us, his people holy by shedding his own blood. So let us go out to him, to, let's go out to him outside the camp and bear the disgrace he bore. What does that mean? He said, so us, let us go outside the camp, outside the church and talk to people about Jesus. That Jesus died on the cross. He died for my son. We're bearing it says, let us, let, let us go outside the camp and bear the disgrace he bore. Talk about the cross. Talk about his saving grace. Talk about what God did. Why did we do this? Verse 14, for this world is not our home. We are looking forward to our city in heaven, which is yet to come. With Jesus' help, let us continually offer our sacrifice of praise to God by proclaiming the glory of his name. If we come into his presence, hmm, we offer praise. When you come to Victor Outreach, be ready to sing. If you, if you sound like a frog, it's okay. God is, God is great. You can sound like a horse and a mule and a frog all mixed together. But once it goes through the heavenly host, God changes it and you sound like Whitney Houston. Amen? God is good. Amen? Just praise him anyway. This is, not, this is not America's Got Talent, right? No, no. Singing is not just the preliminary of the service. Praise is something we enter into. Yeah. It helps us, it prepares us for the service. Yes. So as the psalmist said, enter his gates with thanksgiving and with his courts with praise. Now listen to this. The song they've sang I didn't tell them to sing that. They just sang it. Why? Because somebody's in tune. We have to praise them. Are you ready to praise them? Amen. I want every head bowed and every eye closed.